This podcast is sponsored by Good Crowd 14, the social enterprise and crowdfunding conference. Learn more at goodcrowd14.com. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the UR Mark on the World Show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and today our guest is the Chief Executive Officer of ARIS, Paige Chapel. And Paige, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Devin, thank you. It is my privilege. Well, you're doing amazing work in the community investment arena, the CDFI community, the Community Development Finance Institution community, and, and this is really one of the oldest parts of the broader impact investing community. The people have been doing impact investing, well, community investing now through the CDFI model for 40 years, and really were some of the very earliest forms of what we now call impact investing. So really your insights are going to be in, incredibly valuable and important for us today. One of the things that Eris has done is to create a program for measuring performance and impact of CDFI institutions. Can you tell us about that program? Yes. Uh, we, about, oh, it might have been 15 years ago, an organization called Opportunity Finance Network, which is a network of these community development loan funds um, and other and other financial institutions that focus on community investing just set out to try and help CDFIs break into broader capital markets and they felt that one of the things that distinguished CDFIs from other financial institutions was the absence of a rating system of some form of accountability. Most CDFI loan funds are not no CDFI loan funds actually are regulated in the way that the SEC regulates other investment opportunities. And so there wasn't that level of accountability or transparency um, or standardization in the field. And OFN believed that a rating system could help change that. So in 2004, something called the CDFI Assessment and Ratings System, more commonly known as CARS, was launched and CARS is a ratings methodology that ARIS uses. We've used it for the last 10 years. We um, have issued about 400 ratings opinions to date. We rate both impact performance and financial strength and performance, the two together. Uh, the impact performance rating looks at how well a CDFI is actually doing what it says its mission is about? Is it actually attempting to achieve the impact that its mission calls for? The financial strength and performance rating is a very deep dive, rigorous due diligence and assessment of a CDFI's financial strength and performance. And uh, it's based on a methodology similar to what the FDIC uses when it does the safety and soundness examination on a regulated depository on a bank. Um, we're not using statutory benchmarks. We don't compare CDFIs, but we are looking at the business model for the institution, how that introduces risk to investors, and how investors are protected from that risk. So that's that's the core of what we do. Well, with 10 years of experience, I've got to believe that you have really honed this 
model into something quite meaningful. We think so. <laughs> yes. Um, CDFI's report, um, it's, it's, it's a huge demand on CDFI loan funds. These are mostly nonprofit institutions um, that aren't, as I said before, not regulated. And when we come in, one CDFI described getting rated by us as it's like having two strangers walk into your house, make a beeline to your bedroom, go right to your, your, your dresser, open up the drawer, and pull out the nattiest pair of underwear you can find. <laughs> And show it up. And hold it up to show everybody. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a daunting process for CDFIs, and, and I have great respect for the ones that, that do go through it. My heavens, that is quite a quite an image you've cast for us. Uh, it's not. It's right. It's a CDFI who told me that. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I I get it. I get it. And, but it, what an incredible value for the investors, and really that's your objective, right? Is to uh, uh, create broader appeal for the investors in CDFIs by helping the CDFIs communicate their safety and soundness and their uh, social impact. So tell us a little bit about who are the investors predominantly in CDFIs and how do you want to broaden that? Traditional investors have been um, uh, banking institutions. All the major banks in the U.S. are invested in CDFIs and they tend to be the largest group of investors. Um, the early investors, and they're still investing in these institutions, are some of the largest foundations in the United States, such as Ford Foundation, MacArthur Foundation, and a, a whole host of others. Um, those are the two primary historical investors in the industry. Um, smaller foundations have also played a role, and we are religious orders. Actually, religious orders were the first ones to start to put money into community-focused financial institutions. Um, and they are still playing a role. We are increasingly seeing interest from wealth managers, family offices, insurance companies, some pension funds, and that's really the market that we're hoping to broaden. We think there's a lot of potential um, in these. In, in, they're part of, uh, a lot of people are calling it the impact investing market. That's who we're going after. We're trying to open up that market for these institutions, these loan funds. What are some of the uh, missions? Give us some examples of some of the CDFI social missions and objectives and activities. Um, there are, they are, it's, it's across the board. Um, some of these organizations, most of these organizations are very locally focused and they may be trying to help minority and women-owned entre women, um, entrepreneurs either start businesses or grow their businesses or expand their businesses so that they can create more jobs for people in what are euphemistically called underserved markets. These underserved markets may have a high proportion of low income or working uh, people who, who are struggling to make it into the middle class. There are some of these organizations are trying to provide high quality affordable housing to help settle down families so that they can worry about uh, making a living and not about how they're going to meet their rent. Um, some of them are focusing on financing supermarkets in what are called food deserts. Um, many of our inner city communities, or they're not so much inner city anymore, they're also uh, uh, inner ring um, suburbs, but in, in many underserved markets in America, you can't buy 
fresh, healthy food. There are no grocery stores to speak of. There's only convenience stores. So CDFIs are financing the development and operation of grocery stores. Others focus on financing arts uh, organizations and facilities or um, the development and operation of community health clinics. So it's, it's all across the board based on what the identified need is in an underserved community. Uh, it, those really are vitally important roles for building a healthy, vibrant community, aren't they? They are. They're central to it. When you think about the kinds of communities that middle-class people in this country or upper-income people in this country want to live in, they have, I left out, they also finance charter schools. Um, they have good schools. They have good housing. They have um, arts and culture, access to medical and, and retail and groceries. That's what makes a viable community. And so these, these loan funds that we rate are trying, are, are bringing capital in to communities to help create those kinds of amenities that, that most of us take for granted. Now, I imagine most of these loan funds uh, operate with some leverage. What's the typical leverage ratio and who's providing the leverage? Oh, great question. Um, so if you compare most CDFI loan funds to a bank, right, another institution that makes loans, um, uh, CDFIs tend to be much lower leveraged than banks. And a uh, long time ago, I think it, it stemmed from the Ford Foundation, one of the early investors in loan funds, um, they required a lot of equity um, to offset the risk for the loans they made to these loan funds. So um, typically what we see is uh, uh, loan funds will leverage their equity um, four with $4 of debt to every dollar of equity. Um, it's about half of what banks do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that equity, and again, we're talking about not mostly nonprofit institutions. They're not all nonprofit, but most of them are. Yeah, that, that equity comes from... And the debt from, probably comes from local banks mostly, or...? The debt comes from when I talked about investors earlier, that it comes from the banks, foundations, um, increasingly well, you know, clients of wealth managers, family offices, pension funds, those kinds of things. Um, uh, there's also federal programs that provide debt to CDFIs. Um, the SBA provides debt. Uh, there's a number of programs in the Treasury Department. But the hard part, there's um, what really allows these institutions to scale is access to the equity or to net assets. And that comes from uh, their ability to generate a surplus. It's not really a profit, again, because they're nonprofit, but they do generate an operating surplus. Sure. It also comes from um, this a wonderful program that the federal government has operated uh, for about uh, almost 20 years now, called the CDFI Fund. It's housed in Treasury, and that provides large grants intended as, as loan capital. That has also bolstered the equity base of institutions, which they've then used to leverage for debt. Fantastic. Well, what is your your strategy? What's, how are you implementing your goal to make this more mainstream to get the word out and to create broader appeal among a broader range of investors. So there's a, it's a, this is a very long-term goal we've got. It'll take, if we're lucky and we're really good, it'll take 10 years. If uh, it's probably going to take 20 years to help CDFI debt become more mainstream. What we're doing, where, where we're starting is with investors who have expressed an interest in CDFI loan funds because they're a pure play 
um, impact investment. CDFIs exist only to achieve impact in underserved markets. Um, and as we've gone out over the years and talked to those investors who were interested in CDFIs, we've talked about our ratings, reports, and the, the deep due diligence that we offer. They're not ready. They're trying to get familiar with the industry and its performance over time. So the first step we've taken is to provide access to this incredible database that we have amassed over the last 10 years. Um, we now provide the equivalent of a call report. A call report is something um, uh, that the FDIC provides for banks. Uh, banks are required to report their quarterly financial and portfolio performance to the FDIC for regulatory reasons. We have a comparable um, product now so that investors who just want to take a look at financial performance over four, five, ten years for a particular CDFI along with a ratio analysis, they now have access to our data. We also, just this past June, launched a new product that allows uh, interested investors to look at the performance of, the in, of everybody who's reporting to us over, um, over you know, five to ten years and to look at the trends for key financial and portfolio performance metrics. They can also create custom peer groups if they're interested in CDFI loan funds that only do micro lending or only do affordable housing. They can create a peer group of those institutions to see how it's performed over time and get a sense of what the upper quartile, the bottom quartile, and the median um, have done in that period. So it's not benchmarking so much as providing information to investors to help them get comfortable with the level of risk in this industry and how well it's managed. So that's, that's the first step. That really is uh, the central part of any investment thesis, right, is understanding risk and return. And, and by, reduce, by improving the quality of information, you reduce risk inherently and um, increase the appeal of an investment, right? So you're, you're, you're doing exactly the right things, it seems like. It's also helping CDFIs. I mean, part of, part of the conundrum that we face is helping CDFI loan funds understand what the capital markets expect of, um, of a financial, of an investment opportunity that's, that's considered mainstream. And so by providing, when CDFIs provide us data, they're not putting data into a black box. They have access to all the data that we make available to the public to make sure, they want to make sure the data is correct, we want to make sure the data is correct. Um, and they can learn from that data. It's an interest, the way we parse the data may be different than how management looks at it or the board looks at it. They can download in the format we present it and share it with the management team and their board and understand how investors are looking at their financial and portfolio performance. So it goes okay. both ways. Paige, this has been a great discussion and I really appreciate the time you've taken to be with us. Will you take just a minute before we conclude to explain to people how they can connect with you and you know who and why should people should connect with you? Sure. Um, the easiest way to connect with us is via our website at uh, erisinsight.com. I think you can see it on the, um, on the screen. Um, and the reason you should connect to us is if you are looking for really a relatively safe investment opportunity that makes a different difference in America's communities, CDFI loan funds are an opportunity that you should be exploring. But you need to understand what you're getting into and how these institutions do what they do. So we're, I think ARIS is a great source for helping investors 
understand this industry and understand why it's a good investment opportunity if you're trying to make a difference in your own country. Great. Well, thank you very, very much. It's just been a joy to have you, Paige. We thank you for the great work you're doing and the time you spent with us this morning. And back at you, Devin. All right. Let's <laughs> do good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com. Join us for Good Crowd 14, the Social Enterprise and Crowdfunding Conference on September 26, 2014 at the spectacular Snowbird Resort near Salt Lake City. Good Crowd 14 will bring together leaders from across the country in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. Register today at goodcrowd14.com because the conference will sell out. The roster of speakers will include Rodney Sampson, author of Kingonomics, Francis Batista, the leading animal rights advocate and leaders from several crowdfunding platforms and other luminaries. The conference is sponsored by the Utah Governor's Office of Economic Development, Curtin McConkie, Gate Global Impact, Seed Equity, Elinoff Grossman & Scholl, CrowdEngine, Yesco, and KUER. Learn more at goodcrowd14.com.